In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Hatur, um, which is the month immediately before the month of Kiyak, which we're going to start next week, um, God willing. Um, and in the reading for today, we read the, the famous story of the rich young ruler. He is the man who came to the Lord Jesus Christ, asking him, what shall he do to inherit eternal life? Um, and then after speaking with him, the Lord responded that he needs to sell all that he has and to deny himself and carry his cross and follow him and become uh, a disciple of his. And at this word, the man became sorrowful because he was very rich and he, he, he was attached to his money and he defined himself according to his wealth. So he was not able to give up what is it that the Lord asked. And so he walked away sad, not responding um, to the calling. So even though he came very enthusiastic and he came excited, wanting to do the right thing and wanting to be the disciple, wanting to inherit eternal life, he turned away kind of realizing that there was some bigger issue inside of himself that he had to deal with and that unless he was able to deal with this issue, um, he was not able to follow through. He was not able to be a disciple of the Lord um, as the Lord asked. So what are some of the things that we can learn from his calling? And by also studying some of the other famous um, servants of the Lord um, from the scripture that we can also learn from them. First of all, what is it that this man can be commended for? Before we speak about the things that he didn't do well, what are the things that he did well? The first thing is that he had an interest. Um, in verse 17, it says, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? The fact even that he would ask the question and that he would go and seek out the Lord and then he would find him and to ask this question that he bowed down before him, right? He was trying to do the right thing. He had an interest in what is eternity? What is the spiritual life that I'm called to strive for? He wasn't just distracted by the world and the things in it completely. It's not that all he cared about was this life. He was thinking about the next life. He was thinking about what is it that needs um, to be done. And so when the Lord responded to him, this is why he walked away sad. He walked away sad because he did want this life. He did want the eternal life. Maybe sometimes we are at this status where we want to be good. You know, I, I, I want to be good. I want to be whole. I want to be healed. I want to be righteous. I want to have virtue. I want to be able to pray. We look at the examples of famous people, whether in the scripture or in the history of the church or righteous people and saints, and we say, I wish I could be like them. But maybe our interest stops there. It stops at that point where it's like, yeah, it's nice and I would like, but then the moment that something is asked of me, that I make a real dramatic change in my lifestyle and my thoughts and how I spend my time and my relationships, that the moment that I begin to consider really what I must sacrifice in order to do this, this is when I become discouraged. Maybe this is when we think that we are going to walk away because I'm not, I'm not responding at this point. We know from the conversation that this man had with the Lord that he had lived his whole life trying to follow the commandments because the Lord's first response to his question, how can I inherit eternal life? It was follow the commandments. And yet the man, when he responded, he said, yeah, I've kept all of these commandments from my youth. This is something elementary for me, right? I've kept all of the commandments. In his mind, he felt like he was fulfilling the whole law because he saw the whole law in his mind as one thing and he was good at it. He could do it. He had been doing it. He was raised in it. He had lived his life practicing it. And so he considered himself to be pretty close, you know, maybe, maybe not perfect because he was still asking, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But if he came to the Lord believing that he had practiced all the commandments, then he feels like he's, 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 he's there. He's almost there. He, he's, he's very close to, to, to the eternity that he is seeking. 
And so maybe he was very surprised to hear the answer from the Lord because the Lord who examines the hearts and pierces into us and, and gazes into our souls and knows exactly the things that we lack more than we are understand ourselves, he says, no, the thing that you lack is that you are too attached to, to, to the worldly possessions. You are too attached to the material things. You're too attached to the wealth. And maybe even, yes, you are following all of these commandments, but the thing that you lack is here. And if you were to deal with this issue, this is going to remove all obstacles for you, all obstacles from you to inherit um, the eternal life and have salvation. So he had the interest. He had the interest. The second is he, he strived to lead a holy life, as I said. Right? He says, I have kept all of these commandments from my youth. He cared about the commandments of God. Um, actually, in, in John 15, verse 2, it says, In every branch that bears fruit, uh, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it bring forth more fruit. What does this mean for us? The person who is on the spiritual path is the person who will be pruned. The person who will continue to be pruned. To prune means that you take a plant that is already growing, and because you want it to grow even more, you begin to snip away at it, the little parts that are dead, the little parts that are weaker. And when you snip away at these things, the plant becomes healthier and it grows more and more. So here what, what God is saying to this man is, yes, maybe you have lived um, all of these commandments, which is good, but I want even more. I want you to grow even further. I want to keep pruning you. I want to keep revealing to you the things that are lacking so that you can see yourself more clearly again and again and again and go from glory to glory. You know, you see in the lives of the saints, at no point did they ever reach a point where they were just content and satisfied with where they were. They were always repenting. They were always mourning for their sins. They were always struggling. They were always fasting. They never reached the point where they said, I, okay, I've, did, I've done it all. You know, maybe this man here, in his mind when he says I've kept all of the commandments he says well I've, I've done all I've done all that can be done what is it that is left for me to do to inherit eternal life and so consider his surprise when the Lord responded to him this way saying oh no you haven't even begun you haven't even begun to work you haven't even begun to examine yourself and know the attachments that are in your heart you haven't even begun to see the things that are lacking inside and maybe we are afraid of looking inside and finding these things in ourselves. But the Lord is merciful. He is not seeking that we would find these things so he could condemn us for them, so that he can um, you know, show his wrath toward us because of all of the weaknesses that we have. But he wants, to see that, he wants us to see them so he can begin to prune them, so he can begin to remove them in his gentle way that he is able to remove. The person who examines their heart, who knows themselves, the person who continues to struggle for holiness and righteousness to the, to the end of their life, this is the person who is successful. This is the person who is able to inherit the eternal life because they never become self-satisfied. So what was then the problem? He was hindered by detachment. He was hindered by detachment. Or attachment, sorry. Um, he was not able to leave these riches behind. And actually, when the Lord, um, after the man walked away, um, uh, and he walked away not because of a lack of caring. He, he didn't walk away because of contempt toward the Lord. He didn't walk away because of being negligent. He didn't walk away because he was disrespectful or irreverent. No, he walked away because he felt he was unable to do what the Lord asked him to do, which is Another point for us is if we believe that we can become righteous and we can become like the children of God in, in, in virtue and in love and in mercy and all the things that God asks us to do, if we think that we can do these things at our own power, 
then we will be like this man because we will walk away. We will not be able to, to, to meet the challenge. We will not be able to deal with ourselves and, and, and with our sins and with the temptation of the world and being kind to all and be forgiving our enemies and doing all these things. We will never be able to do this in our own power. So when this man walked away, he didn't realize that actually the Lord was not just offering him a path saying, come and follow me. He says, I will give you the power to live this life. I will give you the power to be able to give up everything. I will give you the power to be able to carry the cross. And so, so again, for us, when, when the Lord says carry the cross, he's not saying um, carry it alone. He's saying, I will carry it with you. I will, I will be with you and I will give you the strength um, to carry it. When the man walked away and the, and the disciples were, were, you know, they were, they were disturbed. And, and, and when the Lord was saying, how hard is it for a rich person to enter the kingdom of, of God because it's so easy to be attached. Um, and then the, the St. Peter responded, he said, see, we have left all and followed you. Saying this was the, the thing that characterized all of the disciples is the very first step that they did is they left all. Before they knew anything about theology, before they knew anything about the mission, before they knew even who Christ was, that he is the, the son of God, that he is the Messiah, before any of that, the first thing that they did is they left all. And, and, and after they left all, then they were able then to receive from him everything that they needed. Sometimes um, when we are called for something, our first reaction is to start asking many, many questions. How am I going to do this? When is this going to happen? Um, all these details that we want to know. And based on the answers, then we can decide for ourselves whether we want to accept the call or not. Christ does not answer any questions. He just says, leave all. Leave all and come and follow me. And the answers will be provided at the time that you need them. The answers will be given and the power will be given. Leave all. Trust me. Leave all and come um, and, and follow me. What are some examples of other servants who are successful and what can we learn in their life? The first one was Moses. It says about him in Hebrews 11, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Out of all of the Hebrew people, Moses had it made because he was the, the, the prince. He was the one living in the palace. He was the one who was the adopted daughter of, uh, the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so he was not subject to any of the sufferings that any of the other people, any of the other Hebrew people were experiencing in Egypt. He was not a slave. He didn't have to work. He lived in the palace and everything was fine with him. Okay. So he could have very easily said, thank God that I have been spared from all of this suffering that I see all of my other brethren are experiencing and I take this as like God's protection for me and God's blessing for me and I just enjoy it, right? I'm, I'm comfortable um, with this. But it says about him that what? He would choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, which means what did he do? He left all. He actually left his entire life, you know? Maybe it wasn't his choice, um, all of it, some of it, it was his choice to go and to go unto the people and want to lead this revolution. Um, and then when he ended up killing this Egyptian man, he fled for his life. He ended up leaving all. And it was only after he left all that then God was able to work with him. He, he, he chose, he didn't choose the comfortable life, but he chose a life of service to God, which meant some kind of a sacrifice. Another example is Abraham. Abraham left many things behind. Um, the first thing that he left behind is his dwelling place. When God spoke to him, he says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. That was the first step in actually his calling, right? His first step was not 
God saying, let me explain to you what's happening. Let me talk to you about the, like what your life is going to look like and why I'm asking you to do this and the significance of your position and your role for the rest of history and salvation, everything. He didn't, he didn't explain anything. He just says, get up from your house and follow where I tell you to go, right? He left all. If Abraham had not made that decision to leave, then nothing else would have happened. And he would have never known what it is that was missed. And all of us actually would have been would have suffered as a result because of Abraham not making that choice. He also left his possessions when he went to um, the land of Canaan and he was with his nephew Lot. Um, and there was a quarrel about who should live in what part of the land. Abraham chose to give Lot his choice of the land. He says, I, I leave it to you. I am not attached to this land. I'm not attached to any of the possessions in it. You choose for yourself what land you want to live in, and I will choose the remainder of the land that you did not choose. Again, Abraham was the senior. Abraham was the prophet. Abraham could have very much said, I will choose, and then you will pick the stuff that I didn't pick. You will have the place that I didn't choose. But he, he didn't. He says, no, you choose, and I will take the, the, the what's left over. And of course, we know that Lot picked the best parts of the land, the best in terms of like for grazing of his animals and so on. But it ended up being the city of Sodom, which was eventually um, destroyed. So again, Abraham had that spirit of detachment. He left all. Um, he was even able to leave his son, his only son, the son of promise, the one that he and his wife Sarah had been waiting for for years and years, that God gave them in his old age and that they were so... Um, he was so, of course, beloved in their eyes, and yet when God came to him and says, I want you to sacrifice him on the altar, Abraham's response immediately was, okay, I will leave it, I will leave him behind. Even my own son, I will, I will not have this attachment to him, um, and I will leave. So serving God requires this, um, this ability from us to be able to leave behind something that is valuable to us in order to embrace something that is greater. Right? How is it that we move from glory to glory? How is it that we move from one level to the next and from one status to the next? All of the prophets of God in the Old Testament, for instance, they all had to leave something behind, but then they inherited something greater. Right? Even the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Levi, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, God did not give them any inheritance with the rest of the tribes, no inheritance of land. But he said, I will be your inheritance. Right? And they accepted this. They left behind the material possessions, the things they could have owned, the land they could have had. And they said, no, we choose to be the priests of God. We will choose that God is our inheritance and not anything else. Uh, another example is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. And when he heard that the, the walls of Jerusalem had, um, had fallen and that the city of Jerusalem was unprotected, he chose of his own to leave behind this prominent position as being cupbearer, a very comfortable position, um, a very high position, um, working directly with the king. He chose to leave it behind so that he can go and rebuild the walls. And he had much suffering and much challenges um, in, in that we read about in the book of Nehemiah, and yet he chose to leave it all behind so that he could build something. So he could build something for God. And this is also kind of the way we can look at our own spiritual life. Like we are building a building. We are building something, right? And in order for us to build it, in order for it to grow, in order for our spiritual life to thrive, there is something we have to um, leave behind. What else might cause us to forsake this calling that God is calling us to? Maybe not just I'm not willing to leave behind something. What are some other things? Um, one thing is um, self-pity. I, I do not want to 
make the sacrifice because I feel sorry for myself. I feel sorry for the situation that I'm in. God, why is it that you have allowed me to suffer? Why is it you have allowed me to lose? Why is my situation the way it is? No, I can't look at it as God is allowing this for my good. I look at it as I am a victim. I am sorry for myself. I am sad. Um, I am less than others. I am not strong. Um, I have no future. Uh, everything about me, uh, uh, like, like, like I, 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 th there isn't any potential in me. If you look at the, the, the three servants in the parable of the talents, the first one, the master gave him five talents and he earned five more. Um, the second one, the master gave him two talents and he earned two more. And then the last one, he only gave him one talent. And this servant who only received the one talent could have looked at himself and he says, I am less than the others. Why is it that I only receive one talent and my brethren have received two talents and five talents? Um, I chose not to do anything with this, with this talent because why is it that I am not trusted? Why is it that I am given less? And so he went and took this talent and buried it in the ground and, and he did nothing with it until the day that the master returned. And so maybe I feel sorry for myself. Uh, I'm not willing to, to, to sacrifice because I feel like I, I, I don't want this life um, at all and I feel like I am a victim in it. Another reason someone might not respond to the call of God is because they are seeking their own interest. Meaning I'm not really caring at all for, the, for salvation, whether in myself or in others. If God is calling me to serve other people, it's not really my interest. It's not really the thing that's on my mind. I have a lot of interests. I have a lot of things in my life that I need to build. I have a lot of finances I need to deal with. I have a lot of you know, family things I need to do. I have all kinds of career and all kinds of goals and things in my own personal life that I need to tend to. And the idea that I would take some of this time and some of this money and some of these resources that God has given me and to redirect it toward something else other than myself, maybe this is the thing that's hard for me to accept, right? Well, if you look at the, the life of St. Paul, for instance, you know, he says, do we not have a right to be married? Do we not have a right to have uh, income? Do we not have a right to, 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 to experience the comforts of life just like anyone else? And yet we have chosen to forsake all of this for the sake of your salvation. We as the apostles have sacrificed our entire lives for the sake of the salvation of all of the churches and to and not just the churches, to, for the Gentiles, for the people who were not even believers, that they sacrificed themselves so that they could believe and they could have salvation. So someone who is seeking their own interest only will not be able to respond to the call because God's call is for the salvation of all and not just um, alone. Finally, maybe we um, are, 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 not are forsaking the call because we are relying on the earthly wisdom, meaning we don't understand the ways of God. We don't understand the way <coughs> he operates. And so his ways seem foolish to us. You know, what, what do you mean you want me to go and do this? What do you, what, like Abraham could say, what do you mean you want me to leave my family and to travel to a place far away that I've never seen before and leave behind all of this? It doesn't make sense to me. What do you mean you want me to sacrifice Isaac, my son, on the altar? It doesn't make sense to me. And so because we try to frame God within the, the box of the earthly wisdom, when he speaks, it makes no sense. When the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to the people, the Pharisees couldn't understand him. It didn't make any sense to them. Even though he was speaking the words of life, the words of truth, the words of salvation, even those who were the religious leaders of the day, when they heard him, they could not understand him. And, and when Nicodemus the Pharisee was, was speaking with Christ and Christ spoke to him about, about baptism, and Nicodemus said, how is it possible 
that a man would enter into his mother's womb and be born again. And the Lord responded and said, you are the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things. Meaning the spiritual wisdom and the spiritual knowledge is, is, is what is necessary for us to be able to respond to the call. And if I am not filled with this, if I don't understand God's plan or God's way, the way that God operates in the world, or if I question him or if I deride him, then I will find that I will not be able to respond to the call because God calls us in a completely different way than anything in the world. Everything is very, very um, different. Finally, I just want to leave with this point, is the unfulfilled call leaves us sorrowful. It leaves us sorrowful. In the end, this man, this rich young ruler, he walked away. It says, but he was sad at this word when the Lord told him you have to sell all that you have. He was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And you can imagine that this man, after having seen all that happened, after having seen what Christ was going to do, after seeing the church being established, then he could ask himself, this could have been me with him. I could have been part of this, you know, and instead what will have happened? He will have lived the rest of his life. He will have kept his money. And then at some point, his life ended. And all the money that he had ended with him. There was nothing he could have taken with him. What eternal benefit did he have from the money that he chose to keep and hold on to? It was a temporary benefit. It was a temporary gain. It was a temporary comfort that it was eventually taken from him one way or the other. But it was taken from him by force because it was not according to his will. Everything was taken not because he was willing to give it up, but he was trying to hold on to it and it was taken from him by force. Whereas here the Lord gave him a choice. He says, before it is taken from you by force, why don't you give it up willingly? Why don't you give it to me willingly with your own will? And then you will experience the grace of God working in your life because you will not have this attachment hindering you instead of waiting, waiting, waiting. And yes, you will benefit from it for a little while, but then eventually you're going to lose it anyway. And that's the, the really the, the message here for our, all of us. He's saying, you, you are going to give it up one way or the other. Do you choose to give it willingly or do you choose to hold on to it until it is taken from you by force? This is something for all of us when we're thinking about God's calling. God's calling often calls us to sacrifice something. God's calling is not just for us to be happy and to be comfortable. Yes, God gives us peace and he gives us comfort, but that comfort can come in the midst of some kind of suffering or some kind of struggle that we experience. And we accept from God whatever calling he calls for us, whatever life he calls from us. So we learn today from the life of the rich young ruler um, that even though maybe we come to Christ with some interest, even though we come because we desire some virtue or we desire eternity, that maybe what he's going to say to us, each of us individually, what is it he's going to say to me? What is it the thing that he is calling me as an individual to do in order to inherit this eternal life? We should make sure our ears are open and our hearts are open and we're willing to listen and to hear and to respond to the calling positively so that we do not turn away like this man, um, sorrowful that we are not able to do what is it that God has called us to do. And glory be to God forever. Amen.